The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, growing up, I was always deeply confused on December 8th, because here we just heard the story of Jesus being conceived, and, now, and then in 17 days, we're going to celebrate his birthday. And I didn't know a lot about babies, but I knew you needed a little bit more than 17 days to make that happen. And I really just struggle with that. Every single year as a kid, I was like, what are we doing? This is stupid. And then all of a sudden, one day, somebody pointed out, they said, look at the calendar. Today is December 8th. Count forward nine months. September 8th. What feast day is that? Mary's birthday. (gasps) And it was the first time I understood it. Like, I love how the church is just so real. It's so authentic. Because today, it's understandable why people think that this is the celebration of the, of the conception of Jesus, as I said, because we heard the story, but it's not. The Immaculate Conception is the celebration of Mary's conception. And then in nine months, we will celebrate her birth into this world. It's so real, it's so tangible, it's so beautiful. But it's important that we have this reading to celebrate this feast day. Because it highlights the whole magnitude of what it is that we're celebrating. Not just that Mary herself was conceived. That would be enough. How beautiful her vocation is to be the mother of God. But even more so, from the moment of her conception, she received what the church refers to as a singular grace. Something that only she ever has and only she ever will receive that she was conceived even without original sin. 
And how do we know this? Well, first of all, Holy Mother Church tells us it's true, and the church doesn't lie. So that one's easy. But we can also go to Scripture. The angel appears to Mary. And the Scripture says she's troubled by his greeting. Because once again, as so often happens, our English language just fails us. We read, Hail Mary, full of grace. But that's really not what the Greek says. The problem is there's no word to use for what the Greek is expressing. The angel appears to her and says, Hail Mary, overflowing with grace. So much so that when you hear this word in the original Greek, it almost sounds like Mary becomes the source of grace itself. No wonder she's freaking out. Because she knows who she is. She's not God. And yet here's this angel standing before her saying, you are grace itself. Heresy meter going off. She knows that's wrong. And so she does what St. Paul will say so many years later. And she tests this spirit to see if it's true. How can this be? And the angel Gabriel continues on and explains to her the glory of God's plan. And for the first time, She probably recognized the fullness of her dignity. She always knew that she was a daughter of God. She consecrated her life to him from a very young age. But to know that she was so full of grace that when anybody looks at her, she almost seems to be the source of it? Who would have ever guessed that? She didn't. Of course, her beautiful humility. She knew God was working in her life, but not in such an incredible way. And so the angel needs to explain that to her. How often does the same thing happen to us as well? That we need God to speak to us, to tell us of our own dignity. For so often we can just think that we're yet another person out in the world, that we're just one person among the many masses. And yet we're reminded that because of the grace of God, because of the grace of the sacraments, He has poured into our soul so much grace that we are filled with it. Not in the same way that Mary was, but very, very similar. It's easy to look at the Immaculate Conception and then dismiss Mary. Well, of course, she was conceived without sin. She had it all down. Why would I even look to Mary? She doesn't know what this is like. Yes, she does. She lived the exact same life that we did. The only difference is When we were filled with grace at our baptism, when original sin was taken away, we didn't cooperate with that grace. We threw it out until we went to confession, and we were filled again. And then we throw it out, and then we go to confession, and we're filled again. We throw it out, and the cycle continues on as long as it needs to, until that one day when, God willing, we stop throwing out the grace we're given. But so so tonight becomes that time when we look to Mary to see There's no need to throw this grace out. We are made to have that kind of dignity. For Jesus gave his life to save us so that we can be filled with grace. And we have the capacity to cooperate with that, to allow that grace to remain in our soul. And how do we know it? Because of Mary. She did it. She got the grace a little bit earlier, but she still kept it in her soul. She still loved God and always had that relationship. And so we look to Mary as an example, as a sign of hope, as a sign of joy. 
that this can be lived out. For Mary experienced everything we did but sin itself. And that's where the teaser comes in that I gave you this last Sunday. I talked about that song, Mary, Did You Know? It was really fun talking to people after Mass. First of all, I was inspired how few people were actually scandalized by the song. How many people were saying, wait, I think it's a great song. I love it. Awesome. But let's go ahead and dig into it anyway. The number one line that most Catholics will listen to and will decide this is a heretical song is when it says, the child that you deliver will soon deliver you. And so they think of the Immaculate Conception. They say, well, Mary is already saved. She doesn't need to be saved by her son. Wrong. She does need to be saved. For scripture is abundantly clear. No one can be saved except through Christ himself. But what Mary is showing us is that there's different modes of salvation. That God can work in some very unique ways. For that word saving can be looked at in different ways. Imagine if you would, as you were walking in tonight, you know, the sun goes down early, and you're walking in and you can't quite see it, and you didn't realize we dug a big old hole right in the middle of our typical pathway. And you didn't see it and you fell into it. Cry out for help. Somebody comes out and they throw a rope down to you, they throw you a ladder, you climb out, you've been saved from that hole. And yes, that is one way to do it. And that's a great example of the kind of salvation we receive. We're born into sin, And through the sacraments, Christ pulls us out. How much better would it be if instead of doing that, we place someone to stand there and say, Welcome to St. George. Don't fall in the hole. You don't have to fall into it, but you've still been saved because that person kept you from falling in in the first place. That's the image of what Mary received, the salvation that Mary herself received. That through this singular grace, even though the gift of salvation on the cross chronologically had not happened yet, the fruit of it, the gift of salvation, God plucked out of time and then placed into Mary's life from the very beginning of her existence as a sign that he can do anything. And he desires the salvation of all. And so Mary becomes this beacon, this sign of hope. That the glory that she experienced on this earth is what God desires for each and every one of us. And if we had her humility, if we had her trust, if we had her faith, it's a glory that can always remain in our hearts. So tonight is the vigil. Tomorrow is the great celebration. Let us spend this next, time, this next day close to Mary, going to her regularly, asking for her intercession, asking her to wrap her loving mantle around us. For God desires the salvation of all, and so does Mary. With her as our intercessor, with her at our back, this is a gift that anybody can receive if they're open to it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.